Huddle, where we talk about lifestyle, entertainment, and sports, where less is more. And I'm your host, Brent. Now, in today's episode, it's a single topic episode, we will be talking about the NBA Awards. So for all my b-ball basketball fans, get your hot chocolate ready, get your marshmallows, get your drink, get whatever you want, turn up the volume, and I'm going to break it down for you. And for all my neophyte fans, the ones that aren't really diehard basketball fans, but they're like, yo, I just want to get in and be part of the conversation, or for all my ladies. They just want to be able to say, he's cute. So how can I start up a conversation with him by the water cooler? Sit back, listen, and Uncle Greg's going to take care of you. Now, we have the awards that took place. And let's just break it down like this. I'm going to start from what I feel is not the least important, but I'm going to work it up to the best. Because this the best is what we all want to know. But starting off first last night was the coach of the year. And uh, it was a weird acceptance of this award because the award went to Dwayne Casey, the former head coach of the Toronto Raptors, the newly hired coach of the Detroit Pistons. Now, Mr. Casey beat out Brad Stevens, head coach of the Boston Celtics, and Quinn Snyder, head coach of the Utah Jazz. Now, what's weird about this him accepting this award is because last season with the Toronto Raptors, he went 59-23, had the best record in the Eastern Conference, but in the second round got swept by LeBron and the Cavaliers to the point where in game four, when he was walking off the court, people were starting to call Toronto LeBronto. Yes, it was at the point where they were calling Toronto LeBronto. So Dwayne Casey, as much as he did, that was good. His time, unfortunately, ran out out in Toronto. And while he's making his speech, he's sitting there talking about all the good things he did in Toronto, but then tried to sneak in a couple good things about Detroit. Um, now, the next award is the Sixth Man Award. So for all my non-basketball fans, the Sixth Man is basically the guy who is almost good enough to start but just has some issues so that he can't start but he plays a lot like a starter but he's technically not starting that's what the six man is so the award went to i should say the nominees for this award were uh fred van fleet guard from toronto eric gordon guard from houston and lou williams a guard from the los angeles clippers and your winner is lou Williams. Lou Williams this year, coming off the bench, had averaged 22.6 points per game. Now, there are guys starting that aren't averaging that much. So that lets you know how fast this guy's like a microwave. Oh, you guys don't want me to start? Bet. As soon as I get in, you're going to see what type of game I'm going to bring to the table, is what he was saying every time he came out. Along with those 22 points, he chipped in with 5.3 assists. So not only was he saying, I'm going to show you what time it is, you guys could eat too. And he played a lot. It wasn't like he didn't play a, 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 like some old 5, 10, 18 minutes. He played 32.8 minutes per game. So although he was a sixth man of the year, you could say he was a pseudo starter. Now our next award is the defensive player of the year. For all my rookies out there or my ladies that don't know what that means, defensive player of the year is basically the guy who played the best defense. Not offense, the best defense. Nominees for this award were power forward Anthony Davis from the, the Pelicans, 
You also had Joel Embiid, a.k.a. The Process. That's another conversation for all you neophytes talking about what the process means. But he's the center from Philly. And we had Rudy Gobert, the center from Utah. And your winner was Rudy Gobert. I just like saying Rudy Gobert. Now, when you look at his numbers, he averaged 13.5 points per game and had 10.7 rebounds a game. And he wasn't top five in any of the major statistical uh, defensive categories. But you see, he's the type of player where, you know, we talk about analytics and how much it means, but there are just certain players that when you see them play, what they bring to the court, you can't write down or write a stat for it. Because although his stats weren't impressive, his presence was. And living on the East Coast, I personally didn't get a lot of opportunities to watch him play. But I did watch him play a lot when they played the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he did get hurt in that series and what the effect was when he was out. He's the type of player where he's so tall and long, guys think twice about going into the paint and attacking the rim. To where the game plan is, let's work out on the perimeter. And when he's there, it's okay, let's really attack the rim. Now, like I said, his numbers were impressive, but I think his presence is. And there's something to be said about that. And obviously, he was rewarded for that and won Defensive Player of the Year. Now, next up, we have the Most Improved Player of the Year. Now, that award usually goes to the player that was I last year, but this year was like, oh my goodness. Do you see the work that this guy was putting in? I mean, what's the difference between last year and this year? Did the light bulb turn on? Did he change his diet? Did he hit the gym? Did he stop, you know, hitting up the parties and whatnot? Who knows? I mean, or it could just be right situation, right opportunity, and you just take the baton and run with it. And you had players like a guard from Indiana, Victor Oladipo, ho, out there as one of the candidates. And he basically was the guy that won the award. Because, you know, you had guys like Clint Capella and Spencer Dinwiddie. They were okay, but the reason why Victor Oladipo, oh, it's almost like when you say his name, you're saying Puerto Rico, oh. But anyway, the reason why he was head and shoulders above beating everybody else, in every statistical category this year, he was better than last year. Not some, not a couple, not he was a rookie last year and looked a lot more comfortable this year. He was better in every statistical category. And his biggest jump was in points per game. Last year, he was on Oklahoma City Thunder and he averaged 15.9 points per game. This year, he led the Indiana Pacers to the playoffs and he averaged 23.1 points per game. Now that's eight, close to nine points. I mean, a jump like that is not just, okay, I got a better handle. I'm getting to the free throw line. That's, you have, you've developed a move or two to aid you. So, I mean, congratulations to Victor Oladipo. That's a well-deserved award for him. Now, um, if you haven't listened to one of my other episodes when I had this topic discussion, why haven't you? I'm mad at you because we're going to talk about our O-Y, Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Remember when I had this talk? We talked about 
Benjamin Button Simmons, the point guard from the Philadelphia 76ers. Why doesn't he qualify, Greg? He shouldn't be allowed to qualify because this is his second year as a player in the NBA. He missed his first rookie year, did not play not one minute due to a broken foot. So he qualified due to a loophole. Do I agree he should not be allowed to qualify for the rookie of the year? Yes, I agree. But due to the loophole, he qualifies. So you have to put him up there as a rookie of the year candidate. Another rookie of the year candidate was the shooting guard from the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, a local kid, a guy from Connecticut, right? And the last guy, he was probably not one of the guys off to your tip of your tongue at the beginning of the season, but by the end of the season, small forward from Boston via Duke University, Jason Tatum, Tatum, everybody was like, yo, this guy is pretty good. I mean, Jason Tatum, he was drafted from Boston thinking, all right, they got Kyrie. They have Brown, Jalen Brown. They have Gordon Hayward. Jason Tatum will probably have be the six-man guy coming in off the bench, have a nice opportunity to get eased into the starting lineup. Until that unfortunate injury happened to Gordon Hayward, where I don't even want to describe it, but it was just a horrific injury. But he's healthy, and he'll be back next year. And that basically opened the gateway and the door for Jason Tatum to basically start. And not only did he take the baton, I mean, he was and developed into becoming a key player and part of the core with what went on with Boston this year. I mean, you lose Kyrie, you lose Hayward. And this guy, it was like he was, if I didn't tell you he was a rookie, you'd be looking at him like, wow, man, how long has this guy been in the league? He's pretty good. I mean, you look at his numbers, 13 points per game, five rebounds per game. I mean, that's not highly impressive, but as a team in with Boston, those are the type of players that they go for. The guys that could get you 10 to 20 a game, but they have like six or seven guys that could do that. So it's all about who's going to go off that night. Now you look at Donovan Mitchell. He, to me, was one of the most, if not the most outstanding rookie because he led all rookies with 20 points per game as a rookie. And not only did he lead his team in the regular season, he led his team in the postseason in scoring with 24.4 points per game. So, I mean, as a rookie, you step in and you just grab that leadership mantle like, yo, this way. No, that no, we're going this way with your 20 points per game in the regular season, we're going to not only up it, but like a veteran, he added four more points to his average. And it was sometimes he, you, you watch some of the moves that he was doing, the spin moves that he had. I mean, for all my gamers right there, that, that get in the paint and, and circle button move. Oh, man. Mm, that was like that syrup on pancakes, nothing but sweet. And we're going to talk about my man, Ben Simmons. Via Australia, down under Mike, 15.8 points per game, 8.2 assists per game, and 8.1 rebounds per game. And let's, you know, for a little bit of um, a treat on top, 12 triple doubles. Now, I understand this is his second year, but this is his first full year playing on the court. Provided a lot of good arguments for a lot of players, right? Jason Tatum, 
Sky's lighting it up in Boston. They were a game seven away from the NBA Finals. He was the driving force. Donovan Mitchell beat Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder in the first round. Stapled himself as Utah could be a destination if you want to play with Donovan Mitchell and really get busy out there. But the award went to the European player, Benjamin Button Simmons. Now, why was he chosen over all those other guys? In my opinion, Ben Simmons did more for his team in that not only was he the point guard, he was also a a guy that was counted on to rebound, and he could help your team win in a whole bunch of different ways. Now, he didn't have a shot, but he gave you 16 points per game, but if his shot wasn't falling, he could be the distributor. He could be the, you could get some, you could get some, and you could get some with his 8.2 assists per game. And if he wasn't helping you that way, he was getting on the boards with his eight rebounds. And if he really had it cooking, like some stir fry, he had 12 triple doubles. Now let's move right along. Now I know there's one award. Everybody was curious to know who won. We're talking about MVP. To all my Jersey Shore fans, we're not talking about Mike, Vinny, and Paulie. We're talking about the most valuable player. Not postseason. We're talking regular season. Okay? Because these awards are decided in the regular season. So everything that happened with these players that I'm about to talk about, it's all about the regular season. Okay? Obviously, you're going to start off the conversation with LeBron. LeBron James with his 27.5 points per game, nine assists per game, and 8.6 rebounds per game. Why is he a candidate? Because if he were not on the Cleveland Cavaliers, they would be a lottery team, and they would be a team that they would be giving out tickets to see. Next up, you had the Beard, guard from Houston, James Harden, coming in with 30.4 points per game. And 8.8 assists per game. Why is he a candidate? Because he lights it up. Doesn't play defense. Not a good defender. But if you need him to come out and get some buckets, he's going to get some buckets. And another candidate, power forward from New Orleans, the Pelicans, AD, a.k.a. the Brow, Anthony Davis, with his 28.1 points per game. 11.1 rebounds per game. And it's 2.6 blocks per game. Why is he a candidate? Well, when when Boogie Cousins went down, he put the team on his back and led that and carried that team into the postseason. I mean, Anthony Davis is injury prone, but when he got injured and came back and Boogie Cousins went down, he said, yo, get on my back. I got y'all. I'm going to cut down the bushes, and we going to the playoffs. And they did okay. I mean, they weren't expected to beat the Warriors, but they did okay. They held their own. So that's why Anthony Davis is a candidate. But the winner for the 2018 MVP was... No, your radio's not broken. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen and ladies, I'm telling you, you telling me... 
it was James Harden, guard from the Houston Rockets. Uh, I know there's a lot of debate that could go with this. I mean, LeBron James to me is at the look, wait, I said it the wrong way. LeBron James is at the Michael Jordan phase of his career where an average season or a good season for LeBron James is head and shoulders above anybody else and is worthy of the MVP award. But James Harden, when you look at him, I'm not saying if he wasn't on the Rockets, they would be a lottery team because they had Chris Paul. They probably wouldn't be as competitive. I think they would be good. Maybe a scrappy team that scrapes in with the eighth seed. If not, maybe a team that they need to win a certain amount of games to make the playoffs, but they just missed the playoffs. I mean, he lights it up, man. He lights it up. When you need, when you need, like I said, when you need the buckets, man, he lights it down. He didn't come through like that in the playoffs, but he lights it up. And maybe it's at the point where they just don't want to give the award by default to LeBron James every year. I'm kind of torn with this award because personally, the MVP is the player that brings the most value to the team. I think LeBron James does that, but then you also have to put into this equation James Harden was the number one seed in the Western Conference, which is head and shoulders way harder than the Eastern Conference. And LeBron James playing in the Eastern Conference, which is a lot weaker than the West, was not the number one seed. Was not the number two seed. And I think that was the deciding and mitigating factor there. Hate it or love it, it's a regular season award. So yeah, James Harden didn't show up in the playoffs and LeBron James lost in the finals. It's a regular season award, not a postseason award, okay? Those are the guys that won the award. Thank you once again for taking your time out. Just listening to me talk about what I like to talk about most, sports. Now, as you know, it's time to get our positive quote of the day. And this is what it is. The only thing that will make you happy is being happy with... with see... As you know, I record these live. So let's start from the beginning. I'm going to do this in an instant replay. The only thing that will make you happy is being happy with who you are and not who people think you are. I'm going to say that again just so I can feel confident knowing I can say it again. The only thing that will make you happy is being happy with, with who you are and not who people think you are. Thank you for listening to this episode. Bye-bye, everybody.